Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. We got a lot of them, a lot of shows, something to fill your ear holes almost every single day of the week. So here's the thing. If you enjoy our shows and if you're not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers and joining the hundreds and hundreds of other people who are already patrons. We thank you in advance for your support. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, conventions are returning. The Guardians of the Galaxy are digitizing radiant black faces, a whole new world. And Matthew fights with every fiber of his being against making another Warren Zevon joke as we check out a new volume of Rivers of London. Plus, Power Ranger Super Crook's wild fan theories and the usual major spoilers excellence conveyed through the Internet to your ears and straight into your cerebral cortex. Because the Major Spoilers podcast is here, there, everywhere, and it's on Welcome to issue 930 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Interestingly, we are recording this at 830, uh, but, you know, whatever, on the dot, right? Right there. We started right at 830. It is now 930. Hey, listen, we were spending the Major Spoilers pre-show talking about tornadoes, Matthew's uh, hatred of uh, all things the CW, and we also talked about a little bit about the heights. So you can go and check that out. Over in the Major Spoilers pre-show, you can get that by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Um, we don't have a Rodrigo this week, but we do have everyone else. So why don't we jump into some news? You are Star-Lord in the new Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy video game that was announced uh, this week by Square Enix. As Peter Quill, you play the leader that will direct and call the shots on team members and, and in combat with movement and everything else. According to Square Enix, this is an action game with tactical elements the game includes a choice and consequences feature that will change the player's experience throughout the game. And apparently this is from, you know, mundane things to high end uh, events in the game. Uh, the single player third person adventure game will arrive October 26th of this year, 2021 on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Windows PC, Xbox One and the Xbox Series X. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for this. It looks like a lot of fun. It doesn't look like uh, any of the characters that we've seen from the movies or the comics. Uh, and is this the one with Macklemore? Star-Lord? He looks like Macklemore in this. Oh, yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know who Macklemore is. Macklemore. So He's the guy who wears your daddy's clothes. That would be my dad. Is, wait, is, Mac, is my dad Macklemore? Down the road. Yeah, huh. your dad is Macklemore. Wow, that's really weird. Anyway, I, I enjoyed the Marvel Avengers game. I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, but it has a different kind of component than what uh, Square Enix is talking about with Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if this is one that I'll be picking up, but it certainly looked kind of interesting as you get to, to move your characters around. Anybody else take a look at this, Ashley? No. <laughs> Ashley doesn't play video games. I, I no. like some of the costumes. I felt like they have, uh, Star-Lord is wearing one of his comic book costumes. It mm -hmm. looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Although he's had like a hundred costumes in the last 10 years. Yeah. 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 Ashley, what's going on in the world of comic book conventions? Well, since E3 went off without a hitch, the day before California is going to pretend like we never had a pandemic, Wizard World is also returning. 
It has announced that it is returning to live events at Wizard World Chicago, taking place on October 15th to the 17th at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont. If you purchase tickets for a 2020 event, your tickets will be good for this event. Uh, this is the 23rd edition of the event, which is pretty cool. And Wizard World will announce guest creators, exhibitors, and more in the near future. Um, and in true Wizard World style, I also expect them to announce a full slate of conventions for 2021. Oh, I'm, I expect that they will. And, uh, this, uh, they already canceled the August one that was supposed to take place this year. Wizard world Chicago. That was in August. They've pushed that back to October in a recent major spoilers weekly uh, letter that I send out every week to people that sign up. You can find out more at majorspoilers.com. sign up for the major spoilers email list. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago that everyone is trying to pack all of their conventions into the last quarter of the year. Most of them are starting in August and running through the end of November and into December. And I think that that's a big mistake, to be honest. Uh, I think when you have so many people trying to bring their conventions back, we've got San Diego Comic-Con in November. We've got Planet Comic-Con in August. We've got Wizard World Chicago now in October. There's another one in October. They're just packing these things in. And my concern is, number one, People might still be too afraid of going to a convention, so you're not going to get the audience that you expect, especially with uh, San Diego Comic-Con because it's coming out on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And then the other thing is, uh, with all of these uh, celebrities, guests, and people that you normally have come to your show now able to go back to work, they may be too busy promoting their big hype machine stuff for the New York Times or the USA Todays or the the late night with David Letterman's to be able to attend some of these comic cons. And so you got a potential trifecta of disappointment coming up in the last quarter where you're not able to go to these shows because they're all happening on dates when you're already booked with other things. They're not going to be able to bring in the celebrities and the creators that they're hoping to bring in and attendance is going to be down. And I have a feeling that people will go to these shows and they're going to feel, they're going to feel half-assed and people are going to go, wow, um, you know, the next year when Chicago Comic-Con comes around or Wizard World Chicago or whatever that's coming around, people might sit there and go, man, last year's show was so lame. I don't know if I want to go this year. And that may be kind of the, the death knell to some of these shows if just because they're trying to force it into 2021. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to a convention this year, so <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I just, uh, even though Planet Comic Con uh, was announced and they're honoring, you know, past tickets and everything, it's just like, no, I have zero desire to go. So uh, even though Jason uh, may want to uh, to do one in his uh, in his home state, I'm going to pass uh, this year. So <laughs> he will not <laughs> <laughs> under direct order of Ashley. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, th those are my thoughts uh, on that. So it, it'll be very interesting to see what what will happen this year and also through 2022. Here's something you don't have to worry about. You don't have to cry for Mark Miller because Jupiter's legacy was canceled. During Netflix's Geeked Week event, the streaming media company announced that Super Crooks from Mark Miller and Lionel Yu would be adapted as a Netflix original animated series. The show will be headed to uh, Mont uh, will be headed by um, Montanantabu Hori. I mispronounced that name horribly. Uh, who was an animator on Spirited Away and Metropolis, two really fantastic movies. Uh, the Tokyo studio Bones, who does My Hero Academia and Mob, Mob Psycho 100, will handle the animation. Super Crooks follows a criminal Johnny Bolt as he assembles a team of the world's greatest criminals for one final super-powered heist. What, what do you I think? I am. I'm hyped for this. This was like one of my favorite announcements that came out of 
uh, geeked. We it was like this and Masters of the Universe. I I know we knew that um, the show was coming, but this is a very cool team that has me more excited than maybe the original source material might have. Very cool, neat. Yeah. The original source material has some problems. They may have to make some changes, especially and, for the Gladiator part of it. Well, I mean, it is Netflix and it is Mark Miller, so who knows? That's true. That's very true. But hey, you know what else is happening in the world of comics? What? Kazar the Savage is returning. Marvel has announced there's a new Kazar miniseries kicking off in September of this year. Kazar, colon, Lord of the Savage Land, 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 is written by Zach Thompson, art by German Garcia, following Kazar's journey since his death. Now, you remember when Kazar died, right? No. Okay. So during the Empire big crossover, aliens come to Earth. Empire? And they give us I don't, some what is this? Empire? Uh, that was the thing where uh, the Never heard aliens. Of it. Isn't that that yeah, Terrence Howard show? <laughs> I'm not speaking to either of you people. Anyway, according to Marvel, and I quote, an ancient evil has surfaced in the savage land, one that is rapidly reshaping the forgotten world and its inhabitants. Kazar and Shanna, the she-devil, must fight together to protect their home and family. But their son, Matthew, that's a shout out to me, by the way, has plans of his own. <laughs> anyway, Kazar Colon, Lord of the Savage Land, is arriving September the 8th. I, I don't know about you guys. I like Kazar. I think that Kazar is one of those Marvel characters that you can do things with that are a lot of fun. Because it's basically, what if Spider-Man knew Tarzan personally? So I'm, I'm all for this. I think that you know it would be time for maybe Kazar to show up and actually do something for once. I don't know enough about the hero, but I know everybody seems very excited by this announcement. So I'm happy for, for you, Matthew, and for the, uh, you know, the hundred other or so people that are, that are listening who are huge fans of Kazar, but I just really don't have really any kind of connection with this, uh, hero. So I'm it's glad they've got weird, a miniseries right up your L. He's very pulpy. He's yeah, very I, I, Tarzan, Doc Savagey. Yeah. I, I kind of know, you know, a little bit about him, but uh, not enough. Uh, I'm always, every time someone says Kazar, I'm like, Oh yeah, that DC Comics guy that lives down in in the center of the Earth. No, that's um, Warlord. I know. Yeah, so that's I get why I get him confused. There's two like blondie Tarzan guys, one on each um, publisher, and I don't know which one is which. Warlord yeah. has a green arrow kind of uh, goatee mustache, and Kazar has a super. Oh, cute oh no, wife. it's not Warlord. Isn't there like a blondie boy who's from like the dawn of time in DC oh, you're comics. Thinking, is it commandy or yeah, 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 yeah. That's who commando commandy is from the future, the post-apocalyptic oh. wasteland, the last and boy Anthro, on earth. Anthro is the first boy, a cave boy, the first boy on stop oh, with boy. your, well, no, do not in, quote Grant Morrison in my store. They're both in crisis on infinite. Earth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anthro is actually drawn by Howie Post, who is uh, best known as a really, really talented and awesome cartoonist guy. So if you've never read Anthro, I say check it out, man. Listen, listen, I don't I want to know who the Kazar fans are that are out there. So here's what I need you to do. Head over to our Discord server. We have a Discord server. There's a link in the show notes. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. And then you can access all sorts of channels. You can talk about the comic books that you're in love with. You can talk about Kazar. You can talk about movies. You can talk about television shows. You can do all sorts of things. And even better, if you have a Patreon account, which you should buy now. And if you don't, uh, please consider becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. 
you can link your Patreon account to the Discord server, and then you get access to even more features in the Discord server, including being able to listen to Matthew and I record the Dueling Review podcast live Thursday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. You can find out more by going over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and linking everything together, uh, or else just uh, hang out in the Discord uh, channel and get all sorts of cat gifts. They're a lot of fun. All right, let us jump into some reviews. Last week, Matthew, it's Mighty Morphin number eight. And yes. if there's one thing that I've uh, learned about uh, the comments section over at uh, the Major Spoilers podcast is that people mm. love your reviews of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Is that true? That's good. I like that. So here's the deal. Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers are two separate series. One takes place in space. One takes place in Angel Grove. Mighty Morphin is the home series. And uh, if you haven't been paying attention, you may be confused by the beautiful cover of this issue showing the Green Ranger and the White Ranger fighting together, or rather Green Ranger lifting the White Ranger out of the wreckage of his destroyed White Tiger Sword. How can this be, you say? They're the How same guy. How can this guy, be? They are the same guy. Exactly. Well, Ryan Parrott, the writer, and uh, Marco Reno? Yes, Marco Renna, the artist, have an answer for you. And that answer is, yeah, ha, ha, you should read the book. So, uh, <laughs> Mighty Morphin, for the last few issues, has had the entire city of Angel Grove under the thumb of Lord Zed and his evil putty patrollers. You remember Zed? He's the guy who looks like uh, somebody just stripped the flesh off of an evil uh, steel golem. Yeah. And he wanders around going boogity boogity. Yeah. Really kind of scary looking. And uh, they have been just beating up the Power Rangers, just kicking them, curb stomping them, knocking them around. And finally, in this issue, things come together. We've been seeing a backup story about Zordon, what Zordon was doing 10,000 years ago as a young knight on Eltar. Did you know he had a body? It's weird. Anyway, um, finally, in this issue, the team gets their act together. And with the help of a busted tiger zord and one leg of the megazord, the unicorn leg is the only working zord. They manage to pull things together. And the new green ranger, who has been very difficult to predict through all this finally makes his move. Now, what this means is he kind of shoots Billy, the blue Ranger in the foot, metaphorically speaking, he kind of betrays people who thought that he was on their side, not metaphorically speaking. And he kicks Goldar right in the face, which in itself is worth the price of admission. But if you've been reading mighty Morphin power Rangers, the boom studios, basically the, power verse for lack of a better word from the beginning there's a lot of really cool callbacks in here to the very first episode or the very first issues of the go go power rangers comic which you know goes back to the earliest days and it's also something that i don't feel like you have to have read five years worth of comics to get that's the cool part and this issue ends with the most heartbreaking moment ever you remember bulk and skull yeah, Bonk and Skull, my two favorite but, Power Rangers. I hate you. I hate you so much right now. Skull ends this issue with a heartbreaking monologue. Skull, you know, the, the weirdo, punk rocker, goofy kid that everybody laughed at and made fun of, you know, had a theme song that goes, nah, 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 nah. Skull ends this issue on just a 
touching, wonderful, heartbreaking notes. Just so, so bittersweet. And I love it. I love the fact that this creative team has taken the character of Skull, who's a, you know, an idiot, and turned him into someone that I'm like, oh, man, I feel really bad for this kid. And also, new Green Ranger and his design is top notch. So I'm going to go with four slices of meatloaf for Mighty Morphin number eight. Now, if you haven't been reading, I don't recommend starting with this one, but I do recommend picking up the Mighty Morphin series. You know, if you can, you can maybe check in on the, the Comixology or something. You can use the Comixology link at Major Spoilers. You can get all eight issues. You can read them all in one big chunk and say to yourself, wow. That was almost like, you know, buying a trade paperback, but it also threw a little money at my best friends at major spoilers. Hey, that's wonderful. Yep. There you go. Um, how many slices of the meatloaf there, Matthew? Four, four, which is one less than five, but one more than three. It's a, that's many slices. There you go. There we go. All right. So we talked a little bit about in the Heights in the major spoilers pre-show, but Ashley has a full review of the uh, new HBO max, uh, movie. Uh, also it's in cinemas now because you know, everything's open to back up, Ashley. Yeah, as of the day we're recording this, at least in my state, I feel like in other places, uh, your your mileage on that may vary. So some people I know rushed out in a buying frenzy to see In the Heights. Um, I sat on my couch to watch In the Heights, and oh. I was super, super looking forward to this. I was uh, very privileged to have seen the original Broadway cast uh, the year that this won all the Tonys. So I am very familiar with In the Heights. Um, I've loved it for a long time. And I have always known that Benny is the best character in the show. And I will tell you that In the Heights definitely continues that um, with Corey Hawkins, um, who plays Benny, in my opinion, um, being the absolute breakout star of this. So shout out to the dude from the 24 reboot. I see you. I love you. I want you to play a superhero someday. The thing about musicals is they don't make good movies. The thing about movie musicals is if they're not originally conceptualized as movie musicals, a la um, Singing in the Rain, Wizard of Oz, Little Shop of Horrors, uh, it's not the same. What I like about movie musicals and big movie musical adaptations like In the Heights is it takes something um, and an economic experience that is singular um, and can be elite and it brings it to a lot of people. And what I like about In the Heights is it is, um, even though Hamilton exists, and even though uh, we all know who Lin-Manuel Miranda is and he's changed the face of the game, it brings a different type of musical to a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I like that there are a lot of musical theater actors in this movie. Anthony Ramos, who plays Usnavi, uh, which was the character that Lin-Manuel Miranda played uh, in the original Broadway cast, played um, Lawrence and Philip in the original cast of Hamilton. Uh, he's a really wonderful singer, um, actor, dancer, Daphne Ruben Vega, who was the original Mimi and Rent, um, plays Daniela in this. And my little Rent headed heart was so excited. Like, so there's a lot of really good things in it. And there are moments when In the Heights really utilizes the fact that it is a film to do really cool things. Um, I won't spoil it too, too much, despite the show's name, but there's a really lovely dance number um, in a place where gravitationally you shouldn't be able to dance, but it evokes that feeling of, oh, I'm in New York on a fire escape and I'm in love. So of course I'm going to dance up the side of a building. Uh, or you're able to see time pass as the lead character, Usnavi, tells you about what it's like to run a bodega. And I like that this musical 
is set in what was at the time um, a sort of little known borough of New York and romanticizes normal everyday things like buying your coffee from the bodega in the morning and knowing everyone in your block and everyone calling uh, your matriarch abuela. Like it, it elevates and it celebrates a lot of really beautiful things. The songs are incredible. Uh, the movie cuts the soundtrack in about half, um, which hurts me on the inside. The Rent movie did the same thing. Um, and I understand that they're different forms, but for me, I would rather have a sung through musical than take um, the context of a song and make it a speaking scene, mm, which mm -hmm. happens a couple times in In the Heights. And there are some narrative changes here as happen in all adaptations. Um, and it's it can be tough if you are married to a specific version of it, just like when you watch, uh, you know, Civil War and we're all like, this isn't Civil War. Why did you call it Civil War? It's not Civil War. So with all of my baggage aside, I think In the Heights is a really, really big swing. I think it is. Mostly, I think when it soars, it really, really soars. But it is two and a half hours long. My friends, it feels two and a half hours long. <laughs> and um, that's not going to capture the full breadth of your audience. And it's tough when you're taking a stage show and you're, you know, putting it out there. But I think it's really important. I think if people have any interest in it, it's absolutely worth checking out. It's streaming for free, for goodness sake. They're not even charging you $30 for it. This ain't Disney. This is HBO Max. Yeah. So We're I not am Disney. We're HBO. <laughs> I'm so happy it exists, but my heart will always belong to the version I saw in 2007. But I enjoyed In the Heights again, and I would give it three out of five slices of meatloaf. A a good. It's a good thing, but it is not a perfect thing. A question. Yes. Would this? Do you think this would have been better had they done? You know, uh, just filming the stage adaptation or the stage version, like they did well, with with Hamilton, or that's not a. But that's not a movie. You know, that's a filmed version of, of a stage. A, well, but I mean, yeah. Disney Disney was all set to release that in theaters until, you know, COVID. Yeah, but Disney, let's 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 not pretend that there's not a contract signed somewhere. Disney's going yes. to adapt Hamilton. It's just a matter <laughs> of when. It's just like Wicked, right? Because Wicked's yeah. been on the docket for a live action adaptation for yeah. Eons and Eons. That's actually a show that I think might be able to pull off the transition because it comes from a, an original movie property. Um, I, I would have loved, there is a filmed version of this. Um, if you want to go on YouTube, you can find lots of ones that people shot from the uh, balconies. Oh, but yeah. Broadway, since I think the 70s or 80s, like has done film throughs of all of their major yes. shows. Like this is a Tony Sweep show. Um, mm -hmm. It's just whether or not it's accessible or not. Um, I don't, I don't, I would have liked it more if it was just the play, but that's just what I'm looking for with this type of storytelling. Um, well, you know, they do some things in here that are cool. Well, so. and that's one of the things that I liked about great performances on PBS is that yeah. they would have the, the film performances that you could just sit down and watch. And that's how I got into a lot more Shakespeare is when they did, I think it was a whole season of uh, Shakespeare stuff on great yeah, performances. Great. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And I think I saw into the woods with, um, Yes. Uh, what's her name? Um, gosh, um, uh, doesn't matter, but you Bernadette know, I saw Peters. that Bernadette Peters, correct. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, this is fantastic. I, I love this kind of stuff. And then, so when Hamilton came around, I was like, oh, this is, this is really good. I like this kind of thing. And I would like to see more of this stuff. 
And so I don't know. It sounds like uh, if I have free time and I'm just have blown through everything else, it sounds like uh, In the Heights might be something I should check out. Yeah. And honestly, the musical sung through. So if you just get the original Broadway cast, you can hear the entire show. Oh, okay. There you go. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on the upcoming uh, West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg take on that movie musical? <sighs> Um, I will say because of the behavior of one of the lead actors, um, and how gross they are, I don't need to see that movie. Oh, okay. Um, and I would have, I would have rather seen it, um, would have rather seen it with, um, we've already seen a lot of whitewashing in Mm -hmm. West Side Story over the years, including the iconic film. Um, so I would have rather seen, um, a Latinx person helming it personally. Right. So, but okay. I'm not, I'm not going to see it. So my opinion really doesn't count. No, I was just, <laughs> I, I was just curious because story. that's it's a great musical. <laughs> that's one that they also held off for a whole year or so. Yeah. Uh, because oh, they, I bet you it was expensive. Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure uh-huh. it was. $17,000 it cost. <laughs> for $17,000, that'd, that'd be dirt cheap. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me wrap up uh, this week's uh, comic book review section with Radiant Black number five from Image Comics. It is out this week. This is kind of the end of the very first Radiant Black uh, story arc. And I got to tell you a bit of a spoiler in issue four, the character that we have been following the entire time is killed. Yep. And his best they said they were going to change everything. And they, they followed. I mean, through. they did issue four was a jaw dropper, especially then when his, uh, his best friend, uh, Jughead Jones uh, <laughs> decides to become the new Radiant Black and in this issue decides to go after Radiant Red and they are having a, you know, a takedown, you know, battle fighting it out. The good thing is, uh, you know, the, uh, the original kid, uh, he's not dead. He's just in a coma at this point, but here's the thing. And I'm not sure how I feel about this. Cause this issue is a lot of punching and a lot of fighting and a lot of let's, you know, turn up our, our power set to 11 just so we can see cool armor to see really cool blast to see people getting punched halfway across the city to see more destruction, to see somebody who is really angry that his friend is at the time he thinks is dead and he's going to do everything it takes to take radiant red down because obviously radiant red is a bad man until radiant red takes off her helmet. And then radiance yellow and radiance green and radiant purple show up. Knew it was coming. And that is the part where I'm not sure how I feel about this, because when it was just radiant black and radiant red, you know, and you, you have this idea of good versus evil and, you know, you're led to believe that radiant red is the one that is, is here to destroy the entire planet and enslave everyone. And then you get to the end and it kind of turns into a, nope, we're the power Rangers or we're, um, you know, we're a G force and, uh, we have to really stop our infighting and take down the big bad, which is yet to be revealed. That's the part I was really, I don't know how I feel about that part yet. And I don't know, you haven't read radiant black five yet. Have you Matthew? I haven't. You okay. didn't share the review copy. No, it's up. It's up there. It's totally up there. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. So I don't know how I feel about, about the ending of this. At first I was like, kill the main character and have his sidekick replace him. Yes. I'm totally on board with this. Have the, the rainbow flavor of, uh, of, uh, the lifesaver pack show up and I'm maybe not so into it. And I think the only I reason I have said from that first issue that this was coming though, I mean, they, they have had too many super Sentai type riffs and designs to not go there. 
Yeah, and I and I think that that and it's not just it's not just Radiant Black. Matthew and I just finished on the flashback podcast uh, over on the Patreon feed. It's a bonus uh, show that we do. Uh, we just got done with the the rainbow, you know, speed force, uh, strong force, you know, shy force, um, embarrassed mm-hmm. force, um, uh, kind of stuff. The strong force, the weak force, the speed force, and uh, that stuff inside of Twinkies. Yeah, and I so I was like, all these color guys. I'm kind of done with with that. And then you know, it's it you know, granted, Power Rangers is a big deal and has been super Sentai is a huge deal. In fact, I was telling uh, Matthew the other day that there's this guy on uh, Instagram, Cantata uh, mm-hmm. force who does just all these cosplays of all the power ranger stuff has all these helmets and stuff. It's really, really cool. So yes, power rangers is a huge influence in pop culture and media. And it seems like every time you turn around right now, we're getting a lot of either Kaiju based comic books or we're getting team color, you know, comic books. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not saying don't do it, but I think that you run the risk of really oversaturating your market and maybe something really good runs the risk of slipping through the cracks because everyone's like, Oh, another, you know, colored team book uh, where everybody's a color of the rainbow and everyone, you know, embodies some aspect of whatever it may be. And so that's, that's where I really falter with radiant black number five. Now, that being said, I still think that this is a four and a half slices of meatloaf book because you're built up thinking, Oh my God, uh, you know, Jughead Jones is going to go and kill the heck out of, uh, radiant red in this issue. And it's, it's going to be a big fight and it's, he's really making this commitment and we're really feeling for the loss of his friend and the former hero. And then the, you know, literally when the rest of the, colors show up it's it's really jaw-dropping and it's really kind of what kind of moments and so i like this issue a lot but i don't know and again i'm gonna have to see how radiant black number six plays out um to really see okay what does this mean that they're a team and what can they do and when do their zords show up that might Mm -hmm. that might kill it for me unfortunately um but man radiant black number five you know this first arc from kyle higgins and marcelo costa just really great. You'd never know what to expect. And I've been really, really pleased with this entire thing. So four and a half slices of meatloaf out of, uh, for me, yes, I did spoil it, but that's still go and go and pick up the issue. It's great to look at. It's got, you know, like I said, the, the cliffhangers and everything that happened in here, really, really good. Uh, so there you go. It's out this week from image comics. So there you go. So, um, yeah, go and, uh, go and check that out, Matthew, if you haven't, Already, but it sounds like you you know before it's everyone else. It's on your list to well, read for tomorrow. Yeah. I I'm 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 more than a little bit genre savvy when it comes to that sort of thing. And yeah, when I saw the red and, and the black characters, I'm like, yep, we're gonna have a pink and a blue and a yellow soon enough, and it's gonna be a thing, and everybody's gonna go, oh, what? And I'm gonna be like, yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah, and I mean. Like I said, it's fine. My Steven thing. It's going to be fine. But if they, but if they, it depends on what they do with it. Right. So literally if they, and I'll form the head, I'll be like, no, sorry, I'm out. But Uh, if it is nothing wrong with Voltron, Ashley loves the Voltron. But if there is something else going on here, if they're able to continue to make us swerve Mm -hmm. and make us keep guessing, yeah, maybe I'll be completely on board with this. Well, I don't think you can do straightforward Power Rangers, Super Sentai stuff with what we've established so far in that universe. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the hall right now. So, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely check it out because, you know, it's really cool when their fights uh, start happening because at one point Radiant Red gets this big giant Hulkbuster type armor that it transforms into. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's an interesting book. It really is. And so uh, go and check that out. Hey, dear listeners, if you are looking for more reviews, then head over to Majorspoilers.com. We've got reviews every single day of the week. I feel sad for poor uh, Christopher Rondu, uh, one of our one of our writers, uh, because he's been now without power for two days in a row. And so uh-huh. I don't know if we're going to get his reviews yet this week. And he's over in Pennsylvania. And I don't remember why he's having these um, power outages. I think it's a storm is storm related. So we're hoping that he does well. But uh, generally, we have reviews every single day of the week, and you can go and check those out over at Majorspoilers.com. And if you are going, man, it sure is hot, and uh, my state is not handling it well, and the power's going out or whatever that's going on, then make sure you check out this week's top five, because Matthew and I are going to share our top five ways that you can beat the heat. That's going to be our number ones. We'll just have to find out this Thursday. All right, our uh, discussion this week, Rivers of London, Night Witch from Titan Comics. Now, this is part of the Peter Grant series, also called the Rivers of London uh, book series by Ben Aronovich, uh, that follows a young, uh, uh, what is he, private constable, uh, Peter Grant, who is now the the newest um, member of the Metropolitan Police Force that has um, been approved to learn magic. The the first apprentice uh, magician that they have had on the police force since World War II, which uh, tells you something. Um, and it, it, the Rivers of London series is really good. I've read all of the books. I think I, I read them all starting in, I want to say January, and I finished up a month or so ago. There's eight or nine books in the series, plus a bunch of novellas and short stories, and then these graphic novels. And uh, I find it very interesting. It's it's a little bit urban fantasy. It's a little bit, you know, police procedural, a little bit mystery that's going on. Um, the the rivers of London each have their own, uh, what is it, genus loci, these, uh, these, these river gods that inhabit the rivers and, and interact with the people. In fact, uh, in Night Witch, we are, you know, we get to see Peter and his girlfriend, Beverly Brooke, uh, interact with one another and Beverly just happens to be one of the, one of the river gods. Uh, and so that, you know, that develops. I think one of the most interesting things about this, this world that, that Ben Aronovich has, has created is that yes, the books, you know, the events that happen in book one are carried through in book two and book three and book four, you know, there's consequences. There's an ongoing storyline that threads through this entire thing but if you just read the books, there's going to be things like when you get to the hanging tree and Peter Grant instantly starts talking about, um, you know, Beverly's uh, new Russian uh, housekeeper, uh, Maxis or Maxim or whatever his name is. Maxine. And you're like, where did this guy suddenly come from? Well, that's because you have to. Well, you don't have to. But mm-hmm. um, the comic book series is in continuity with the book series. And so there's this whole thing in, I forget which book it is, which book it is, where Peter is talking about how uh, he had to deal with these cars that were, you know, driving uh, through London, uh, you know, doing crazy things. And it's like, where did this happen in the books? I, did I, did I pass out and skip a few pages or something? No, it's because it comes in these, in these graphic novels. So that brings us to Night Witch, 
which is the, the second graphic novel that takes place between, I want to say Foxglove summer and the hanging tree, if I remember correctly. And it, um, it features the Russian witch that they encounter in Foxglove summer, uh, Vavara Sidonia. Yeah. Um, Sidora Novina or whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. It, and in this book, um, you know, this Russian oligarch's uh, daughter is kidnapped and they believe that there is a, is a spirit that has, you know, taken the child away. And then all of a sudden there's this $10 million ransom. And of course that brings uh, the Met and um, the Folly, which is the headquarters of the, the, the magicians mm-hmm. uh, into this investigation to find out what's going on. This yeah, needed a lot of, this I, I needed a lot of confused because yeah. uh, the first few pages of this are in Russian. And, yeah. And I'm like, wait, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, and I'm like, wait, I don't speak this language. Do we have the English language version? That was, that like was the my first concern. Six pages are all Russian dialogue un, untranslated. Uh-huh. When I first opened this, I was like, oh my gosh, did we get a bad translation or did they send us a wrong version of this book? Cause this was sent to us from, uh, Titan comics. And then of course, if you watch that, it slowly goes from hardcore Russian, but that as you go through those panels, it starts to slip in regular English words until you get into the main action where they're trying to, yeah. uh, get, um, uh, Vivara out of the van. And then it all turns into, into English by that time. And then whenever you see a blue word balloon, that's translated from the Russian. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. I think is kind of cool too. Which is a lovely name. Yeah. It makes me bring up my Italian accent. So we, we get to learn a little bit more about her involvement in world war two. This is takes place in present day. She was a, she was a witch in, uh, in world war two. Part of the night, a literal witch. night, witch, which she was a, yes. a neat historical twist. Yes. And, um, she still looks really, really young because as the story progresses or as the books progress, we find out that since about 1980 or so, uh, all these magicians started aging backwards. So, um, uh, what's his name? The, the head man that gets kidnapped is, uh, you know, he looks like he's in his, in his forties or fifties and he's really like almost a hundred years old, uh, in, in this. So, uh, I find that, that very, that very fascinating, uh, kind of aspect of this story, but mm-hmm. I'm going to guess both Ashley and Matthew, because I don't know, Ashley, I'm guessing you have not read the rivers of London series. So we've read two or three of them. In yeah. my tenure on major spoilers. Yeah, this is, um, I think, the second one. I, I, right. I, I very famously go, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just like not my jam. And so when I saw mm-hmm. this, I was like, great, more rivers of light. And again, there's <laughs> absolutely nothing wrong with it. Like the world is well constructed. The story is well written. The art is good. It just like doesn't spark joy. In yeah. Me. And I, and I um, kind of, I, I kind of figured but, that I like the witches. I was like, Ooh, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More witches, please. <laughs> yeah. And, and Matthew, I know you haven't read it. So I'm guessing that you are like completely lost in what's going on. I've read the, the Titan comics before. I know that I've, uh, we we've done, I think two volumes before here and I've reviewed individual rivers of London books for the site, but no, I haven't read the book books, but I also feel like the comics are, 
as accessible as, you know, any, I don't want to say adaptation because this isn't an adaptation, but any no, adaptation not, yeah. type book, you know, the, when you read like a Doctor Who Titan book, or if you would go back and read some of the Topps comics of X-Files, I feel like they pretty successfully establish the ground rules, establish the world and how everything works together. So even if I don't necessarily know that, you know, Varvara is aging backwards, I know that magically she is not a, the 105 that she mm -hmm. looks like she should be. So, But then you also are probably wondering who's this person wearing a mask the entire time and who is she talking to the entire time? Is, yeah. yeah, so that was Leslie. That's Leslie May, and that is Peter's partner who was in the first book, Rivers of London. Um, she, uh, was, she was um, possessed by the spirit of Punch. I remember Punch and Judy that. Fame. And, um, okay. and her face got, you know, because her face deformed into the face of punch when the spirit was excised, her face is all like totally messed up. And so she's yeah, wearing yeah. this mask to hide her face, but, uh, in, and I forget what book it was. Maybe it's broken homes. Maybe I want to say, yeah, broken homes. She turns to the dark side and she um, she starts following the faceless man who is the big bad in probably the first four or five or five or six books of the series. And she, because she believes that magic will allow her to get her her face back and her looks back. So, you know, this is something that's running throughout this this comic book. And if you don't have any frame of reference for what's going on, you're like totally confused. So on the one hand. You know, I was able to follow along and know who all these players were, were um, and I was just like, oh, yeah, this is this is great. I, I understand who all these people are. This is great. I'm, I'm starting to fill in some holes from the books. I'm really digging this. But at the same time, I have to sit there and go, wait a minute. This is exactly what what Marvel did wrong with uh, their their TV uh, and movie continuity universe where you have to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so you understand what's going on in, you know, the, the civil war movie or vice versa or whatever it was. And that's kind of the problem with, I think this graphic novel is that unless you've read the books, unless you know who these characters are, you have zero frame of reference for any greater appreciation in this story. There are some context things that, you know, could use some additional explanation that don't require me to go read a book, but I mean, the basics of it are kind of clear. Nightingale is James Bond. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like Peter my favorite. Is kind character. of like, yeah, he's, he's kind of like a nerdy money penny person who is all of a sudden in the field. And, you know, they explain certain things. They explain, you know, the part where, oh yes, every city or every uh, area had their mm -hmm. own yeah, inspector general yeah. magic -y person. Yeah. Yeah, the question of who Bev is. I remember when Bev showed up in the first one that we read, mm -hmm. and I still didn't remember who she was until the middle of like the third issue. I'm like, oh, no, she literally means I'm a goddess, and that's why yeah. people serve me. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all the rivers, all the brooks, all the river systems in London uh, all serve Mama Tim's, and uh, Beverly Brook, uh, yeah, funny play on words, is... Uh, is, is one of them. So, yeah, Ashley, I like, um, I like what you said about, you know, it's well-written, it's well-drawn and everything. One of the things that always struck yeah. me about the, about the book series is how Ben Aronovich really describes London and the architecture of London. And Peter Grant is very much into architecture. He even mentions that at one point in the book where he's like, Oh, how come the South side of this building is newer than the North side? That's something, mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, I'm wondering, since uh, you have spent more time in London than than I have, does anything <laughs> in this book look familiar to you? Um, that's so funny because I wasn't really looking for that. I mean, it mm. looks like London. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and that is something that I think the book does well and does well in this adaptation is that uh, like a James Bond story or like a Sherlock Holmes story, London in England is as much a player as Mm -hmm. any of the named protagonists or supporting characters in the book. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something that specifically stands out for me, but it's, it's, I think it's more just like the streets look like a street in London would look, which is different than the way a street of Paris or Toronto or LA would look. Right. The only reason I bring this up is because uh, Titan Comics uh, sent out a release today about uh, Rivers of London Bodywork, which is volume one. And they're releasing the deluxe writer's edition of this. And what's fascinating about this is not only do you get the wordless um, panels from the comics uh, in black and white and some color, you're also getting the script for uh, the comic. But then they also have included... Uh, photo references that were taken for the comic book. So, you know, if something happens on this bridge, here's a picture of this bridge. If right. you want to see what this, uh, this one, uh, Thai square restaurant, um, near Putney bridge is at, uh, that takes place in one of these panels. Mm-hmm. Here is the reference photo for that. And I kind of dig that because it really both in the comic book series and in the book series really makes this world feel more real when you can make those kind of, uh, you know, references to, to those locations, kind of like how on Marvel comics, Matthew, where, you know, we're living in New York city and Peter Parker's from the Bronx and I'm from the Bronx and they're making reference to, you know, all these locations. Um, and so it, it makes it feel like you could look out your window and see Spider-Man flying by or see the Baxter building off in the distance. Right. Spider-Man's from Queens and he can't Sorry. fly, but I get the point. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I mean, he f- swings by, he flies by. Yeah, because oh, Queens and the Bronx one. are so close. Yeah, yeah. yeah I realized like, that as soon as I said it. <laughs> they're only like, you know... Across the river from uh, one another. 1,500 miles, it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, so you guys are not super fans of this, which I totally understand. Fan conceptually, but I kind of agree with Ashley that there, there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but there's also kind of a, a remoteness to this story that really does feel like I walked into the middle of it. Mm -hmm. It feels like, you know, I, I should have had to read the novel to get it all together. And that's, you know, that's fine. Obviously when you're doing something that is based on another you know, property in a different, uh, sort of vein, you expect people to come in with a knowledge of that. The fans are the people who are going to want to read this and mm-hmm. that's cool. But I also do feel like as I went through this, it's kind of anticlimactic because it sort of feels like a thriller novel or, you know, a kind of a, it's a mystery, yeah. a crime novel rather than a comic book. And when you have mm-hmm. a comic book, there's, there's slightly different beats and slightly different ways that an issue of comics or an arc of comics works than just a straightforward novel. It's why, you know, the Janet Ivanovich books didn't necessarily work as comics when they tried to, you know, do uh, Stephen King's the stand as comics. It was just, it was a, it was a cluster schmoz. You, you have a different 
lexicon, almost a different language of storytelling from the novel idea to what you get in several issues of comic books. And you do get to the end of this and have a sort of, oh, feeling. It feels like an episode Mm -hmm. of a show that I haven't watched the first three and I can't watch the next four. And I don't know if I'm going to want to, but I also don't feel like I wouldn't if it popped up. Sort of the way I felt about my first episode of Westworld. And then I saw my second episode of Westworld and it built on that. And I went, oh, that's yeah. what it meant. See, I don't think, and here's the problem. And this is, this is probably why I wouldn't recommend this, co- this comic book series to anyone who hasn't read the books. Because you can't just walk into the store and go, oh, what's this Rivers of London book? Let me pick this up and start reading it and go, I have no idea what's going on. And then you go into Night Witch and there's this huge jump and you're like, what's going on? I have no frame of reference for this. So I don't think I could recommend this, this comic for, um, you know, for people who are not already familiar with Peter Grant and the rivers of London series. At the same time, I have to give Ben Aronovich huge kudos to, uh, to trying to get people to get into these comic books because he literally makes references to things that have happened in the comic books in his novels as a way of you going, what, what is, why do they keep talking about this black mold or why do they keep talking about these things? Because then it forces you, or it should, I don't know what the sales are on these uh, comics. It should force you to want to go and track down these graphic novels so that you can have a fuller experience of what's going on. But if you are a fan of the rivers of London or the, the Peter Grant series, I would highly recommend these. Ashley, give, give me some final thoughts, please. I would kind of agree with you. I would say that if you are a fan of the series of the books, then this is probably a really good time, but it does come with a ton of baggage. Um, And just because it's an economy of words in this type of storytelling, it's not as easily translatable. I, in no way do I believe that you can't pick this up and fall in love with the world of me. Of course you can. Um, It'll, if it sings to your soul, it's going to sing to your soul no matter what. But in fairness, I mean, I really enjoy the James Bond comic books, and I think it's probably the same problem. I'm just more familiar with James Bond mm-hmm. than I am with Rivers of London. And I don't necessarily know if this series is trying to be an ambassador to new readers. I don't know. But yeah, like I said, it's solid. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, final thoughts? I think that from just an artwork perspective, Um, it's pretty remarkable because it is very hard to do a perfectly, and I don't want to say mundane, but a story without any real heavy giant, you know, people flying around Galactus over New York, supernatural elements. You know, you mentioned how this is sourced in the real London. This is based in reality. Characters are in vehicles that are clearly identifiable as modern vehicles. You know, they have helicopters, they have regular technology And, you know, we see a lot of scenes that are just somebody's house or an office park building or some scenes that are set in a hospital. Those are very hard to do and have like, you know, HBO premium sort of prestige drama reality to them and also have the supernatural elements feel right. And this book is very good at that. I think the balance there is excellent. And I feel like the moment where you know, all of a sudden, boom, there's a leshy and, yeah. oh, it turns out it's not a leshy. It's a green man. And then you're like, well, what's the difference between a leshy and a green man? And you spend about five minutes on the Wikipedia and then you come back and you keep reading. That's fun. 
that's really awesome. But I do feel like you kind of want to have some lay of the land, some knowledge of the material to really rush out in a buying frenzy. But even if you're, you know, just John Q. Schmuckensee from any town USA, I think you can pick this up and appreciate the craft of what we get. All right. There you go. Uh, we, I, I will, I will say that to spare, uh, my, uh, fellow co-hosts here on, on the show, we won't be reviewing any more rivers of London stuff <laughs> in the future until, uh, I get Ashley to crack and, uh, read the book series and then we will there get back will. to this. So, uh, I think you might enjoy, fall to the peer I think you might enjoy the rivers of London, uh, series, Ashley. I really do. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a little time consuming, but if you've got an hour on the bus, you know, within a week, you'll be done with the first book and the second book and the third book. And then before you know it, you'll be like, Stephen, can we review Rivers of London volume three on the show? But hey, man, uh, yeah. it can't be as hard as Wheel of Time. So, well, yeah, there <laughs> you go. There you go. Uh, and they are fairly fast reads, especially some of the little novellas and stuff are, are fairly fast reads. So um, kudos to Ben Aronovich uh, for making that series as great. He was doing a bunch of Matthew. You may know him. He was doing a bunch of Doctor Who stuff back in the day. Um, I think it was uh, fourth doctor stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Andrew so. Cartmel was fourth and fifth and a little bit of seventh. Oh, there you go. All right. Yep. All right, everybody. That wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening to us talk. And thank you for being part of the major spoilers experience. And now having listened to us talk, we want to hear from you. We want your feedback. So join all the cool kids with the pumped up kicks at the major spoilers discord server, discord, the server. It's the hard to say. And we would share your thoughts and reactions to this in every episode. Or you can drop us an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com and you might hear your words on an upcoming episode. And don't forget, you can also support this show and everything we do so much by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. You guessed it. We will be back next week with a summer themed uh, book. What is it going to be? Well, you're just going to have to come back. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Well, think about a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. Star Raven reads like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major
major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.